the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy New Year. And uh, let's start out with uh, some thoughts, uh, messages of hope, shall we say. Don't lose hope when the sun goes down, because the stars come out. Once you choose hope, anything is possible. Hope is like the sun, which as we journey toward it, casts a shadow of burden behind us. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, we always talk about uh, our webpage. And, um, you know, if you go to WHK's webpage, it's the easiest thing to do. Uh, go to local podcasts and then down to Smart Investor Show and go right over there. And, you know, I, I, I have a lot of people now. Uh, we're averaging like 25 people a day going to my webpage and looking at Insight because Insight has new information on it every week. So uh, constantly uh, we're changing things. Also under Bulletin Board, we have Rob Schleimer who uh, puts out the trend and cycle and has a lot of technical advice for you. And then we have a newsletter uh, that comes out weekly, so uh, uh, on, on under bulletin board, so something to think about. And if you'd like our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our, our best ideas, I'm telling you, the electrical grid's getting interesting, and so isn't the infrastructure and power and oil area. You know, we, we talked about oil last January. It was the best-performing asset class there was. It was funny how many of my clients did not participate they were, they were afraid of oil, which is usually a good sign. And now, it, you know, there's more people talking about it this year again. So there we go. Also, uh, interest rates are going to go up. Count on it. So an investor's, you know, a savvy investor's guide to a credit workbook. So how to use credit properly. It's a very short uh, piece, and it's, it's very helpful. Uh, I've had... I've sent a lot of them out, and a lot of people have said very nice things about them. And also, anybody planning to sell their business, uh, private equity is trying to steal your business. We can help you with that. We can also have a uh, we have a what is known as a business owner's guide to transition planning. So we'll just leave there, you know, leave that at that. Um, so, you know, we, I'm I'm thinking about what to say as far as the, the strategy piece today. Uh, you know, and as well across the se sector, outlook is as tilt constructive for performance, fundamentals, valuation, and cash deployment and margins. And uh, uh, each quarter, we ask our analysts to rate the, their industries on a scale uh, of six different questions. We asked about their outlook of performance and you know all the stuff we just mentioned. And and across the questions and sectors, our analysts are uh, more properly characterized as neutral. Okay, for the most part, the aggregate views are slightly more constructive than what we observed in our September survey. Uh, and, and in terms of sectors, 
across all six of our reoccurring, uh, reoccurring outlook questions, it was the tilt towards positive was energy, financials, and materials for sure. Information technology, which has now become a pillar of sec- secular growth. And then utilities and healthcare, which are classic defense. Uh, you know, and I'm going to talk about vaccines here in a second, but in- industrials come in as, as more of a mixed question. And, uh, you know, that may be, remember we talked about the, the the uh, euro yen relationship and it's kind of fallen out of bed. So that's uh, the lowest levels of enthusiasm were in place for the communication services area, uh, consumer discretionary, consumer staples and REITs. And if we look a little bit closer, uh, some of the positive outliers we noticed in the top sectors include energy on performance, financials on fundamentals and healthcare on valuation. By the way, there's a lot of uh, our biotech analysts thinks this is going to be a big year. Um, Biotechs just got killed last year and have been down the dumps for about five or six years. And 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 utilities on policy, consumer staples on cash deployment, which may be raises in dividends, and financial industrials on margins. All right, so uh, that's what we're seeing. And now, look, it's probably going to be a deja vu all over again. Uh, as uh, Yogi Berra used to say. And I think one of the key themes, and, and it, it kind of, it, it's about the vaccine effect. What, you know, what disruptions will COVID continue to, to uh, wreak <laughs> on our economies worldwide? And one of the things that's kind of interesting, I think, and, uh, you know, our folks at Dominion Securities, our neighbors up north, uh, you know, RBC owns Dominion, by the way, you know, and, and they, what they basically have said is, you know, against the backdrop of yet another wave of pandemic and ensuing rolling restrictions, accelerating inflation and rising interest rates, um, maybe you should be talking about staples. You know, we've been talking about them for about a month and a half now and how utilities and staples and healthcare have kind of been outperforming. Uh, you know, staple-like businesses are dependable. All right, and that, that's the key. And Omicron variant prompting regional capacity restrictions and a return to work and school from home in, in certain jurisdictions. The near-term visibility for a lot of businesses is going to still be muddled, but staples are staples, you know. Um, and you know, I, I have a list of top staples I like, it, and ones that have been showing up on the charts, and they've been slowly but surely for the last two months leading the pack. All right, so. I'll, I'll just leave you with that, okay, and, and take it from there. Look, uh, I, I was looking, you know, the equity markets have been on a roller coaster for the past several weeks, and the FMOC decision, you know, in equities uh, struggled, you know, the first part of the uh, December. And the reason they did was simply because we had the virus show up again, okay, and, you know, the day after Thanksgiving was a complete wipeout, and then the Fed starts talking about tightening. And... You know, we had a buyer strike for almost two weeks there. I mean, the Nas- the, the Russell 2000 went down 12% in less than a week, less than five trading days, right? The, the S&P 500 went down 5%. So, uh, look, I think Fed Powell also stated that the Delta variant drove a slowdown in business, and he's concerned that Omicron will do the same. So, now, uh, Mark Newton, who's the head tech, uh, technology or uh, technical strategist for Fundstrat, he says uh, he thinks there's going to be some consolidation in stocks. 
you know, it goes sideways, for example. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he's right. But look, uh, one of the things we noticed is inflation, and, and we're looking at the five-year break-evens for the U.S. are kind of rolling over a little bit. And, and Tom Lee, by the way, at Fundstrat, uh, said that too. So that's, you know, uh, I've been finding when you, you got Tom and, and you got Lori Calvacina, uh, uh, you know, saying the same thing, got to pay attention. In Europe, uh, their break-evens are kind of collapsing, type, you know, type of thing. So it'll be interesting to see if that stays up. But the leadership is still energy, basic materials, tech. Uh, transports were hanging in there, and then discretionary, and, and sort of financials and banks. You know, some of the financials, like um, the uh, the guys that are doing the, uh, you know, like uh, the uh, what we call fintech companies are getting killed, okay? So... That's why I say some financials, some banks. Uh, the bigger banks are doing fine. Now, the other thing, I guess, uh, well, I mean, look, you've got four concerns out there. You've got uh, Omicron, you've got inflation, you've got Fed-type tapering, and you've got uh, market bubble. And, you know, everybody's worried about that. Uh, but, you know, looking, you know, looking two weeks ago or a week ago, the American Association of Individual Investors, as I talked about last week, they weren't very bullish, all right? Uh, we are having a surge of Omicron, but we're finding it's much less deadly than the, the Delta variant. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how we do. Um, you know, we we talked about uh, the bullish percent turning over last week. It'll turn back up. So, by the way, it's a record. We've had 16 days this year, or 16 times this year, where the bullish percent turned back and forth. A big year is usually four times, all right? So, you, you know, I, sometimes I feel like Linda Blair, you know, my head's spinning around, uh, wondering what's going on. But so what, what happened this week happened twice. You know, two weeks ago, we had the bullish percent and the high-low index turn up together. Then we got creamed again right before Christmas, and then it turned up together again. Very, very unusual. So, uh, you know, the advanced decline line is starting to actually break out for the first time that we've seen in a while. So we'll see what happens uh, uh, going forward. I, I think, you know, look, I, I think you, you got to look at a couple of things, you know, if you're looking long-term, we have a different kind of debt mountain. Uh, companies have, you know, uh, binged on debt uh, in the last couple of years. You know, Apple's put out a lot of stuff. A lot of people have. And then the second thing is green energy transformation. You know, um, how real is that? And how, you know, and, and which asset class and which which region in the world will be the best place to put your money? And then the uh, Z-isms, <laughs> the challenge economic economy, you know, I guess they, uh, you know, they were actually uh, showcasing people who did not uh, do what they're supposed to do as far as the pandemic is concerned. You know, they were actually dragging them through the streets from what I understand. So it should be interesting. So I, I think a couple things, corporate stock buybacks have ramped up during the current quarter. Even as the markets continue their volatile trading, they keep, you know, there's a lot of companies that have reduced their, uh, their outstanding stock by like five, 10, 15% over the last couple of years. So, you know, uh, it, interesting stuff. By the way, it's a new year. Do you have a plan? You know, I've been talking about wealth planning now for probably 11 years. If you don't have a plan, you should. So call me. 
you know, go to go to the WHK webpage, go to local podcast, go down to Smart Investor Show, email me or call me. Let's let's sit down and and set up a plan. We're gonna uh, take a minute or two when we come back to talk about a couple sectors that I I, I think are pretty popular right now: the autos, the biotechs, and the software sectors. So stay tuned. We're gonna be back in about a minute, minute and a half. This is Smart Investor Show with Tim Hayes. And, and don't forget, you can call me, 216-774-8906. will go directly to me. We'll be right back. about a couple sectors here and um you know a lot of people made a lot of money on autos last year and then people lost a lot of money on autos last year and uh, depending on which one you were in the american uh the old line auto group was a really good place to be last year uh, ford and gm you know ford had a great year and as you may remember we had some ford some uh insiders the, the ford family actually buy some stock at the end of the year uh you know, we looked at uh, 2022 and, you know, some of the off radar possibilities and factors and some of the, you know, we had some top, some top stock ideas. And by the way, if you'd like this report, you know, feel free to give me a call that you go to WHK 1420 AM and go to local podcast, Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. And, you know, it goes right to my webpage. There's a call. You can call me. There's a email me, that type of thing. But, uh, you know, look, I think uh, there's some key topics that everybody's looking at. You know, the U.S. outlook, we're forecasting 15.75 million uh, new cars, all right? Uh, European command, demand could be positive compared to last year. So couldn't China. So that's good. Semiconductor availability, which has been a problem, should improve throughout 2022. Uh, it it'll probably won't get to normalized level to the second quarter uh, or fourth quarter of 2022 or maybe the first quarter of 2023. And so we, we forecast global light vehicle production to plus 11 percent in 2022, and plus 8 percent in 2023. So those are big, big numbers, by the way. And and I think the price mix uh, impact on OEMs and suppliers should uh, be a big, you know, something that we have to pay attention to. And they have to, uh, I think, supplier margin factors are going to be important. Commodities, you know, the price of. Commercial negotiations, you know, um, schedule stability, you know, that type of thing. How much electrification is there, uh, and, and how they unlock, you know, the, the, their their assets because some of these companies are just latent with assets, and their valuations are also important. Now we have a top pick, but I'm not going to tell you what it is, so you have to go call in for the report. The next area I think that's very important is is healthcare and biotechnology. You know, they saved the day and they treated them like redheaded stepchildren. I mean, biotech, man, just got killed. Uh, you know, there's several companies, you know, Seattle Genetics, you know, has done wonderful things with cancer. It was 220. I think it went down to 134 this year. Uh, Kodiak, which has a thing for uh, macular degeneration, went from 58 to 170, all the way back to 72. Now it's around the you know high 80s. So some of these names just got killed. And uh, so... You know, we had a historic run at the end of 2019 for biotechs, but it was short. And you got to remember that 
since Hillary and our Fed chair back in 2015 said nasty things about the biotechs, they've been kind of in a bear market with the exception of just a few. All right. Uh, not a lot, just a few. Uh, certainly the large cap biotechs have not been involved. And, you know, a lot of these have really good dividends and they have dividend growth. So, you know, they're kind of like drug companies these days. But even the drug companies have not performed. Uh, you know, Pfizer has led the way and, they, you know, they're finally starting to break out, but they've been down and out for a long, long time. So uh, we see some big opportunities for publicly traded biotechs next year. Uh, there's, I mean, most of their earnings are up 15, 16% and their PE ratios are down. <laughs> so uh, that's a good sign. And then finally, software. Uh, you know, we did a, a big, big uh, survey. And actually, we, we touched base with 286 IT decision makers, you know, chief investment officer, uh, chief, um, I'm sorry, information officers. We had 67 of them and 219 IT managers, directors. So here's what we found out. The overall spending, 90% of the IT decision makers expect to increase their IT budgets in 2022 by about, well, 58% said they'd increase it uh, by at least 5%. Okay, so that's a lot. And uh, software, 86%, hardware, 75% uh, were the two top areas where budgets are expected to see increased spending. And I guess the top macro concerns of IT guys were economic growth, pandemic worsening, consumer spending, you know, with tariffs, interest rates, and that type of thing. Uh, there is one big dog. We all know who it is. I'm not going to mention it. But, um, and I think the other thing is that, you know, if you're the incumbent, there's a bias remains strong towards the incumbent. So that would be the big names, okay? And multi-cloud is a real trend, all right? So that, that's something that's very important. And security and spending intentions remain high, Uh Big time, okay? And some other points, 5G and blockchain were viewed as most overhyped areas by the market. I thought that was interesting. Uh, and they suggest that demographics tilt more towards legacy technology companies. So that's something to think about. But, you know, overall, we came away from the CIO survey most positive on a couple big names, but also a couple small names. So uh, it's a great report, by the way, if you'd like it, and we'll just leave it at that. Now, look, uh, I keep going back, and I'm going to talk about this several times today. Uh, you know, the bond market and the equity markets uh, are at key levels, and I think this is important. You know, the, the equity market, if we look at a monthly chart, we go back to 2009 at the bottom in, uh, in March, where we hit the low, uh, We've been in this uptrend, and it's a beautiful uptrend with the exception of 2020. But, we, you know, 2020, we only had one month where we undercut the uptrend. So what's an uptrend? An uptrend is a series of higher highs and higher lows where you draw lines on those lows and the highs. And, they use, you know, we usually stay within that uptrend. It's a psychological thing. I don't know what it is, but, you know, the chartists see it, and they start to go crazy. We're at the top of the top trend line right now. We are also on a momentum basis. The monthly momentum has peaked and starting to turn over. And it, it was fairly overbought. Okay. Uh, you know, we've had a huge rally from the bottom. Uh, you know, we pound the table back in 2020 and March 23rd, that Saturday, we, we pound the table on this show said, I don't know about you, but I'm buying and most people will be scared. And I was right. But 
keep that <clears throat> in the back of your mind. The last time we went there, uh, we had a couple years where we went sideways, and we had a couple whoops, you know, and, and that time was, was 2014, and the whoops was 2015, and then again in the beginning of 2016. So, by the way, what, what were they doing then? Raising interest rates, okay? And then we, then we got up there again in 2017, and we had a couple whoops, and what were they doing? Raising interest rates. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this is a liquidity-driven market. There, by the way, there's unbelievable amounts of cash out there, huge amounts in the money market. I mean, there's like $5 trillion in the money market. Uh, corporate balance sheets have $2 trillion, and, and I guess they're generating a lot every quarter. And then we also have, uh, you know, the amount of money that's moved from stocks because people were scared into bonds at one and a half, two percent 2%. <laughs> I don't think you're going to retire on that, but, uh, you know, I will say with bonds, you know, we, we thought that we'd get we'd, we'd break out uh, on the yield, okay, and it didn't. It died. So with the virus coming back out to play, and then the Fed talking, you know, uh, tough, we had a problem. Now we are at considerable support on the bond yields. Uh, that's the 133 to 138 range uh, on the yields, and we do have the you know the relative strength indicator, the momentum. Uh, has bottomed and looks like it's turning up. So pay attention there. Now, uh, you know, we talked about the NASDAQ being overbought a couple months ago. It got creamed, but we came right down to support and held. So it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, if we, if we hold that again, um, we, we have with the bullish percent turning up. I think that's very positive. Now the Russell's been the real uh, bummer. Uh, you know, the Russell broke out and I thought that was the place where we're going to make money for the next couple of years. Down 12% in a week. Wow, that hurts. You know, I mean, in one week, you know, from uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving to the next Friday, it was down 12%. And uh, uh, that's tough because they haven't really participated. You know, uh, one of the surveys we did was we looked at the um, the, the New York Stock Exchange Index. And almost 70% of the stocks are down 30% or more this year. So here we have the big caps going up and nothing else. Uh, and if you look, large cap growth has outperformed large cap value, but on the small cap and mid cap area, it's been the other way around. So uh, there you go. Now, look, I, I go back to talking about long term here because we have these generational cycles. All right? I think we started it, well, depending on who you're talking to, if you listen to Bob Dickey, he thinks we started the generational cycle in 2014. If you listen to Rob Schleimer, he thought uh, it, it was 2017. So usually these cycles last somewhere between 16 and 18 years. So we still have some time, all right? Now, that doesn't mean it can't have a bear market. I mean, 1987 came in one of the greatest generational bull markets ever. And, and the year uh, 1990, when Saddam Hussein rolled into town, it got ugly, okay? We had the, you know, in 1998, we had the Russian ruble crisis where Greenspan had to basically bail out the world, okay? So... You can have bare, you know, bare situations, but they're short, they're dramatic, they scare the bejesus out of you, which is, you know, look, what is a, what is a bull market but a wall of worry for 16, 18 years that the end's going to happen, all right? So, but we also have these four-year uh, cycles, which you've got to pay attention to. 2020 was the end of a four-year cycle. So when we got, we got beat up, 
That was the end of the four-year cycle. So we're in year two. All right, we're going into year three, and then we'll have year four. And then, you know, you've got to pay attention. Uh, so it, 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 it's, it's going to get harder to make money going forward is what I'm trying to tell you. So uh, I think you've got to pay attention to that and, and make sure that you don't do anything stupid. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let, let, why don't we take a break? And once again, if you want to have a conversation with me or talk about your portfolio or do a wealth plan, uh, you know, go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show. You can get directly to my webpage from there. But stay tuned. We'll be right back. I get up in the evening And I ain't got nothing to say I come home in the morning I go to bed feeling the same way Happy New Year, <laughs> first of all. Um, you know, I was looking uh, and some, it, you know, I, I keep talking about planning, 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 wealth planning. It's important. And we have a wealth plan that you can mess around with. Matter of fact, two of my clients were on this week and I, I have not been able to call them. Still a little, a little under the weather. Uh, I'm back in springy again, so uh, I'll give them a call in the New Year. But the point is, is it's interactive. You can mess with it. You can say, what happens if there's another 2008? You know, is my retirement plans on go or not? Okay, so I highly recommend that, uh, you know, if you'd like more information, please call. Uh, I'd be glad to talk to you. Um, this year uh, is was a year to make, uh, add a lot of gray hairs, okay? Because in the, in the history of the bullish percent, dating back to when Ernie Stabey, you know, talked to Charles Dow about this in 1924, I think it was, and designed this program. Uh, you know, it, it's simple. It's the box theory. It's how I made $2 million in the stock market theory, okay? And it works. And all it does is show, hey, you know, as we go up and up and up and up, we have more companies with point-and-figure buy signals, uh, the more dangerous it is. And when we get everybody selling off, the less dangerous it is, all right? In the history of the bullish percent, we had the most reversals this year ever. 16, two more than, you know, the most volatile year on the planet. So if you don't think there was volatility this year and reason to be a little bit nervous, ah, 16. You know, look, a big year is four. <laughs> All right? So 16 reversals with one coming this week. Remember, last week I said the bullish percent turned over to, into negative. It went up nine percentage points this week. So we could say it's a pretty big week. Now, the other thing, the low volatility stocks have really been the, the I mean, the fund score went up over three. Uh, they broke a double top, you know, and that's an area where you have to uh, pay very close attention to because I, I think, you know, uh, low volatility is where you want to be, you know, for the for the long run. All right. So um, anyway, if, if people keep asking me about the uh, crypto and I, uh, 
look, I, I don't, I don't recommend crypto. I, I can't. I'm not going to. I just tell you that if you look at the Nasdaq crypto index, it's making a series of lower highs. So be careful out there. Um, you know, and it you know encompasses Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, Chainlink, Uniswap, Bitcoin Cash, Stellar Lumens, and Filecoin. So you know they're getting beat up a little bit. Now we always talk about the bullish percent, and all it is was designed by Ernie Stabey, who was a uh, he worked for Charles Dow for many years, and and he he and Charles kind of answered back and forth about this. And he just said to Charles, "I want to be bullish at the bottom. I want to be bearish at the top." So he came up with a point and figure system, and it's a very simple system. All it does is judge the number of companies on a point and figure buy signal, and the higher it gets, the more risk there is. Okay, because that's when people take profits. But it goes from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. Remember, we were back at 80 back in March. And I said we kept going to 60, to 78, to 76, 74, 72, 72. And then we got crushed for a while in, in the fall. And then we rallied up, and then we got crushed again. So when we get over 70, that's when you should be frightened. When we get below 30, that's when you want to be greedy. Okay, Most people do it the other way around. And so it's a risk monitor system, and it just says, hey, everything's washed out. Let's buy. And then when it says, that, hey, everybody's happy, that's a bad time. You know, we don't want that. So this week we were up 9.9%. Remember, we were, we were just a hair below 40 last week, and we were calm of X's. I mean, O's. Oh, by the way, calm of X's means we the offensive team's on the field. Calm of O's means defensive. And look – there's other stuff that goes along with this, like, you know, U.S. stocks are the number one asset class in the world right now, okay? So when you have sell-offs in that particular case, you, you don't have to be as careful. Now, back in 2007 and eight, U.S. stocks were at the low end of the asset classes. That's when you want to be worried. That's, you know, I came on, on the air and said that the money market would outperform the stock market at the end, starting December 1st, all the way through March 9th of 2009, okay? And then things turned, all right? But, you know, so what's what's even equally more important is that we, we went from O's to X's, which so we have the offensive team. We're below 50, a good sign, okay? But what also turned up this week is the high-low index. It's the second time these two have turned down only to turn up together. I've ne- I haven't never seen it happen in two weeks. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they say life should be interesting. Sometimes I wish it wasn't. This is interesting. But the other thing that happened that I think is important is the over-the-counter index, the small stocks, reversed back up into a column of X's. All right? And that's equally important. So now we have not only the, the kings and the knights fighting for us, but we have the foot soldiers, we have the archers, and we have the guys – on the supply chain paying for us. Now, the world index is still out to lunch, but it's very close to turning up. So that would be a big, big positive, I think, uh, in my humble opinion. At the S&P 500 broke a triple top this week, and that's a big, you know, that's big. Because uh, the more tops you break, the higher probability that the move is going to work, all right? So we'll just leave it at that. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And look, uh I think there's, you know, I'm, I'm calling the last day of trading here, okay, because this is obviously recorded. Uh, we, the 
S&P 500 has not traded below its 200-day moving average this year. But if you look below the surface, there's a lot of stocks down 30, 40, 50%. And if, if you look at the S&P 500, there's 52 stocks holding it up. And actually, it's 27 stocks, okay? 27 stocks are responsible for almost 65% of the return of the S&P 500. So during the entire year, we have not, the 200-day moving average, we haven't broken. How's that? That's a big, that's a big year. And I, 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 the, only, the only other year I saw that was 1928. <laughs> uh, things are a little bit different than 1928. But, uh, you know, the other thing I think you have to look at is how we, you know, when we move forward after a big year like we've had, uh, how, do we, how do we look? Um, you know, and look, there's been three or four years, like 45, uh, 1928, 1936, and 1945, where we had big years. And we got creamed the next two years, okay? Uh, 1928, 1929, we got creamed, obviously. And, but we were up. We are only down 12% in, 19, in 1929 because we were up so much. The next year, you know, we had the depression and everything went, to, you know, whatever. But I don't think we have a depression in our, our forecast. But, uh, you know, so usually you have gains of, uh, you know, 10, 11% the next year after a 25% gain. So we'll see what happens. But the, the, we had 13 positive years when the average return was about, you know, over 11%. And we had a couple, uh, you know, from 1928 on, okay? We had seven negative years, um, and they averaged 0.61% afterwards. You know, so it's kind of tough to say. But for the most part, I would suggest that there's a the possibility of a positive year next year is, is there, although we got to watch the Fed. So in dynamic asset level investing, remember, the number one asset class is domestic equities right now. Uh, you know, then, then, it's, then it's between commodities and, and international equities that are like almost tied. Then it's cash, then it's bonds, uh, and then it's, it's uh, uh, currencies. So, you know, domestic equities are still number one, so we got to stick with them okay um and technology is still tops financials are still second consumers cyclical and industrials are uh, second but real estate industrials uh real estate and industrials are almost tied energy moved back to uh, fifth so energy got really beat up in, in december all right so uh with everybody talking about energy it might be a place to be for a while anyway and then the the bottom three are healthcare, utilities, and communication services, which we think may have the biggest improvement. You know, that's what we talked about in the strategy session today. Uh, the technology, you know, I think in financials you got to overweight them. Uh, real estate, I think you got to get that to equal weight these days. Uh, start to pay attention to that myself. Now, the other thing is <clears throat> internationally, and uh, if we looked at Europe, you know, Europe has four. If I look at several of the different ETFs for Europe. Uh, there's a lot of them that have two, three, four tops. Uh, for example, the Vanguard Europe ETF uh, has three tops at 70. So if we were to break through there, that'd be very, very positive. And then I think what you'd see is the world index break, break out too, which would be even more positive. So, um, you know, right at the moment, it doesn't make sense to be have too much money overseas, all right? They're doing okay, but they're not doing as well as the United States. 
as of now, and on a relative strength basis. So I say that, you know, look, asset allocation is different from relative strength investing. Asset allocation says you take money from the rich and give it to the poor so you don't become poor. And that's fine. Uh, you know, that's what you're doing. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't think asset allocation has worked that great in the last couple of years, uh, actually dating back to about 2007. Uh, now, the 10-year yield index returned to a buy signal uh, on Thursday and now sits one box away from a positive trend on the charts. So when yields, when yields go up, uh, bonds go down, all right? So uh, that's something you got to remember. And the five-year yield is in the same boat. So that's that's uh, that's, that's an interesting scenario. So I will say this, uh, crude oil turned positive this week after nine weeks of being negative. Gold's been negative for five weeks, and, and copper turned positive. Copper may be the, the play next year. Who knows? Uh, it's already made a lot of money for people. In the meantime, we'll be right back with uh, – oh, the other thing, lumber is very close to its downtrend line. So lumber could be, you know, lumber went crazy and then pulled back. Uh, if it were to break 1,200, I think we could be in a real interesting scenario. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Uh, this is the Smart Investor Show with Tim Hayes. We'll be right back. We've had some fun. Yes, we've had our ups and downs. Been down that Did. This is Smart Investor Show. Once again, if you'd like to have coffee with me or, or uh, you know, talk about your portfolio, go to WHK1420's webpage. Go to local podcasts, down to Smart Investor Show, and it goes right to my webpage. And uh, just call me or, or uh, email me, or you know, there's all sorts of email me. And you know, while you're there, take a look at uh, Insight, which has a lot of our research. The bulletin board, which has Rob Schleimer's stuff every week, the trend and cycle. And then if you'd like the dividend growth or poor, you know, uh, prime income list or any of those above, let me know. Uh, in the meantime, we always talk about <clears throat> insiders. And uh, there's a couple insider buys this week, which I thought were pretty significant. And, uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll just leave it at, at that. Uh, you know, a couple things is that, you, you know, when you insiders buy, uh, they sell for a lot of reasons, okay, but they they buy for one. And, uh, you know, you have to uh, pay attention when they buy because usually they're early. And, uh, you know, you got to remember that part. Uh, but, you know, you also got to remember that uh, these guys have a lot more information than we do about the company. Uh, they are, you know, really involved with uh, what's going on. You know, most of them are, you know, usually directors or uh, you know, sometimes it's just money managers who, who really sharpen their pencils. And the first one, we had Vicious um, Pharmaceuticals. Uh, we had a gentleman who owns $35 million by uh, 35 million shares by 1.69 million shares. 
that's a really interesting one. And then another one, Stitch Fits, which I owned, you know, um, quite a bit of uh, a while back and, and made a lot of money on it very quickly. Um, Working Capital Advisors uh, just bought 3.39 million shares, and uh, they they own about 11.5 million. So uh, that's a big buy. And, uh, you know, you'd like to see smart money managers uh, – you know, buying stock, uh, especially when it's down. And it's one of those stocks that, uh, you know, really the worst is probably past it. And uh, and then um, we had Optinos, which is a little dollar stock for those who like to, you know, roll the dice a little bit. MVN Partners uh, bought a ton of stock and now have a 15.2% position in it. And I don't think that's chump change. So, you know, we'll just leave it at that. And, uh, you know, take it from there. Now, we we spoke last week of Purple Innovations, the, the mattress company, uh, and we talked about Coliseum Capital buying, you know, 439,000 shares at around 13 bucks. Well, this week, uh, uh, they came back and they bought uh, another uh, $2 million worth and then another $1.6 million worth, and I think they now own about 16 million shares. So you like seeing that. A couple other things I saw was uh, TMC Metals Corporation. This is another dollar company. And here we have a director, uh, Andrea Karkar, who's a very smart guy, by the way. Right the, right before the close of Christmas, buys uh, at, at two bucks, buys $1.4 million worth. Now, I'm going to do some follow-ups here because I think that's important. You know, uh, Dave London, who's a director at, at Everquote, uh, you know, we had several insider buys uh, during the month of October and November from Everquote. Uh, so here we have another one. It's only it's only $636,000, but there you go. Uh, also, uh, Ageon, which, you know, there was a big buyer that uh, there's a gentleman who owns like 10%. Uh, no, he doesn't own 10%. He, he's, a, he's involved with a company somehow. I'm not sure. But he bought, uh, he now owns 1.6 million shares. He bought 210,000 this week. And then also, uh, uh, Sonova, which is you know in the in the cellular area, uh, the, the, the director bought twenty thousand shares. He has doubled. That's doubling his position. He's been around the block a couple times, and then uh, uh, Cantaloupe, which is uh, you know a I don't know fifteen dollar stock now eight. We had a director buy uh, half a million shares, and let's see a couple others. We had oh, and Randy Ernst is at it again. Uh, he you know he's over at. Uh, uh, well, how many times has he bought now? He's, I think he's, you know, he's, he's probably bought, uh, you know, several million dollars, uh, multiple million dollars of American Asset Trust. And this time he bought it high. Now he's, he purchased, um, 400,000 this week. And then he, and on the 28th, he purchased another, uh, 5,000 shares. So he, he's been going crazy. And then Jack Schuler, uh, who, you know, was a former, uh, chief, Officer uh, or C, not he wasn't CEO, but uh, I think he was uh, president or something like that of, of Abbott has been buying Accelerated Diagnostics and bought another uh, two hundred fifty thousand. He now owns eighteen point five million shares, and, and then also we had uh, Enterprise Products. Uh, one of the family members bought uh, five thousand shares, uh, and that's uh, Karen Barth, and uh, now owns sixty seven thousand shares. So. Uh, some people have been buying quite a bit of that lately, so I thought I'd mention that. 
Uh, that you know, there's been a few oil companies that didn't move, and most of them were in the uh, master limited partnership area. So we'll see what happens from there. Um, okay, now a uh, couple things. Look, I think the uh, we, we were pretty oversold going into Christmas. Uh, suddenly, the day before Christmas, things magically turned around, which uh, which is great. Uh, but I mean, I, I looked at ten year yield. You know, it was it was testing some important support, and now it's reversed back up into a column of X's. Um, so, you know, look, we have a M- FMOC meeting not next week, but the week after, and I think you got to expect that, uh, you know, that the lower end of the band on the ten-year Treasury yield would hold. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Now, if the Fed raises rates and and the ten-year declines in yield. That would be a, not a good sign for the economy, I don't think. But uh, look, we've been, it, the market's been very volatile. We've had numerous uh, sell-offs and then rallies, numerous sell-offs and rallies, and it's been like that all year. And we've had the bullish percent literally reverse 16 times, going to the upside this time. It was up 9% this week, which is almost 10. So that's that's important. I mean, you know, that tells you how volatile – the the under you know the the churn was in the market this year and you know with uh i i think with what we said 70 percent of the uh the nearest stock exchange index was down 30 percent or more from their highs uh you know that's that's tough so i guess the question is you know uh we got to talk about the market cycles you know so in 2020 we were at the bottom 2021 you know we had the first year of you know up and now we're going to 2022, which is usually a, pre- a decent year. 2023 will be a, a testing year, and 2024 should be a correction if the four-year cycle works, right? So uh, do we have to, um, you know, run and hide? No, I don't think so. But look, I think oil, uh, you know, rallied right to resistance and then paused. And now looks like it's breaking above it as we speak. And and the U.S. dollar index is stalled near uh, 96, which would be, you know, if that started to pull back, that would be, you know, commodities could go crazy after that. So I think, you know, growth stocks, the, the you know, what we've seen in the past year has been the large growth stocks have been the place to be. The smaller and, and middle so- mid-cap uh, growth stocks have kept beaten up. I mean, there's there's a lot of names in the software area down 40, 50 percent, uh, you know, and, and it was quick. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, very, very quick, unfortunately. Uh, now, look, the banks uh, have pulled back with the rates pulling back a little bit, but they're holding key support. And I think that's important. And, and I looked at uh, some other, you know, the insurance companies and the banks are holding up where the fintech, which had led the way, are getting crushed. I mean, some of the fintech stocks are down 30, 40, 50 percent. And the defensive sectors, as we talked earlier, uh have you know they've been they've been holding up pretty well and they've been moving they're a little advanced right now so i think you want to buy everything on a pullback uh i've got one that i really really like uh that i'm I'm very interested in but you know i think you know going back and just reiterating this a couple times we're in a four-year cycle however we are at the top of the trend line on a monthly chart and the momentum which was way overbought is just starting to turn. So you want to be more careful. I don't think you want to get crazy. Buy things coming back to you. It sounds crazy in a wild bull market, doesn't it? But
but I think it's very important. Now, the advanced decline line continues to move up, but if you look at stocks only, we went right down to where and we held support. Uh, so the advanced decline line is not breaking out stocks only. It's breaking out when you add everything else because there's a lot of stuff in the New York Stock Exchange Index that is not stocks, it's bond-related, you know, that type of thing. So, uh, you know, if you look at the AD line, it's it's down and out. So uh, the Russell 2000 is reversed back up, but its relative performance versus the S&P 500 did break below support. So we got to watch that one very carefully. Remember, we talked just a week ago, the bullish sentiment was, was you know, neutral at best. It wasn't, it wasn't positive, it wasn't negative. Uh, and the same thing with bearish sentiment. Uh, we'll see what the, see how that changes going into the new year. And and like I said, growth versus value. I think the large cap growth is doing better than the small and, and mid. And the low and the high beta stuff uh, has not been doing well. The low beta, the low volatility stuff has been what's holding together. So what would I be doing right now? Well, I think uh, dividends are going to play an important uh, role next year, as they have for many a year. You know, 40% of the return in the S&P 500 for the last 70 years has been dividends. So the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, uh, you know, dividend growth is very important, especially if you're 40 years old. What a great way to make a, make a lot of money. The prime income list is for those people who are retired and need, uh, you know, uh, uh, revenue right now, yielding about four and a quarter. You know, good, good stuff. Uh, so I'd, I'd be looking at that uh, right now if I were all you <laughs> out there. In the meantime, have a happy new year. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And remember, planning is important. And buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.